Good morning once again, church. God's word to us today comes from 1 Chronicles chapter 29. 1 Chronicles chapter 29. Uh, the main text will not be up on the screen behind me, so I would encourage you to look at it in your own copy of Scripture. 1 Chronicles chapter 29. And here in just a moment we'll start at the very first verse. One of the great benefits of these family Sundays where we have our kids in here with us sitting with their families is as we go through the Lord's Supper and the offering, it provides a great opportunity for conversations, a great opportunity for questions. Mom, Dad, why do we do what we're doing here? What's that cup of juice all about? And today we're talking about giving and I've always relished the opportunity to have my kids put our offering into the plate for us so that we can have a chance to talk about why are we doing this. I want them to see it. I want them to learn what we're doing from mom and dad as I did with my parents when I was growing up. So why a sermon on giving? I mean, we're an extremely generous church. Did you know this? We're, we're an extremely generous church. We outgave our budget in 2019. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, a significant portion of the money that you put into the plate every week goes to support 26 different missions organizations that we support regularly. We're in a good position financially as a church. And so why a sermon on giving? It's not as if we have to motivate the members of this church to give more. We're doing a great job. Well, it's because giving is a spiritual discipline of the heart. Giving is a spiritual discipline of the heart. Jesus spoke more about money than he did about family, about heaven, about hell, about sex. He spoke more about money than all those things. And it would seem that our Lord placed a high value on giving, judging from his teaching, and we should as well. If I did not preach on this, I would not be following the example of Jesus, right? Sometimes people can come into a church and hear a sermon on giving and think, well, that's a sleazy thing to do from a pastor who receives his salary by the money that we put into the plate. But this is far greater than that. It's far more important than that. This is a spiritual discipline in the hearts of each and every Christian and Jesus stressed it so heavily, I would not be doing my job if I didn't follow his example in preaching on giving once and again. If I did not preach on giving, I would not be pastoring you as I should. This is about our hearts. We read in Scripture, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It's a root of all kinds of evils, the love of money. Jesus said it is hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Full stop. It's hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Money can deceive us and twist our hearts away from God. And Jesus knew this. He knew it's vitally important that we make our money submit to God and not the other way around. And so we read in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount where he says, you cannot serve both God and money. And so why preach about giving when we are in a good position financially as a church? Well, because there's something more important at stake here than the financial position of this church. And it's the spiritual health of each one of our hearts. 
And so let's read our text this morning. First Chronicles chapter 29. We're going to re- be reading 16 verses, 1 through 16. It's a little bit longer of a passage, but I think you'll see why as we go through it. This is one of the great passages in Scripture on this topic. <clears throat> and so this is in the time of King David, verse 1, chapter 29. It says, And David the king said to all the assembly, Solomon, my son, whom alone God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. And the work is great, for the palace will not be for man, but for the Lord God. So I have provided for the house of my God, so far as I was able, the gold for the things of gold, the silver for the things of silver, and the bronze for the things of bronze, the iron for the things of iron, and wood for the things of wood, besides great quantities of onyx and stones for setting, antimony, colored stones, all sorts of precious stones and marble. Moreover, in addition to all that I have provided for the holy house, I have a treasure of my own of gold and silver. And because of my devotion to the house of my God, I give it to the house of my God. 3,000 talents of gold, of the gold of offer, and 7,000 talents of the refined silver for overlaying the walls of the house. And for all the world... To be done, or for all the work to be done by craftsmen, gold for the things of gold and silver for the things of silver. Who then will offer willingly, consecrating himself today to the Lord? And then the leaders of fathers' houses made their free will offerings, as did also the leaders of the tribes, the commanders of thousands and of hundreds, and the officers over the king's work. They gave for the service of the house of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 darics of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. And whoever had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord in the care of Jehiel, the Gershonite. And then the people rejoiced because they had given willingly for with a whole heart They had offered freely to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. Therefore David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord. And you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. But who am I, and what is my people, that we should be able to thus offer willingly For all things come from you, and of your own have we given you. For we are strangers before you, and sojourners as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow, and there is no abiding. O Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand and is all your own. This is God's word. And God shows us in this passage how generous giving produces joy. 
How does generous giving produce joy? I want to show you a few ways this passage shows us how this works. Number one, joy comes from the honor of participating in His purposes, God's purposes. Joy comes from the honor of participating in His purposes. Look back with me at verse number 14 one more time, if you will. Verse 14. Notice how David there says, But who am I? And what is my people that we should be able to thus offer willingly? He's saying, Who am I, Lord, that you would grant me the privilege of contributing to your purposes? Who am I that that you would grant me the great honor of being a part of this? You could just as well do it without my money, God. You could do anything without my money. You don't need my money. So who am I that you would even grant me the privilege to be a part of your purposes? Have you ever been a part of something that was so great, so special, that you were proud of the fact that you contributed to it and you just wanted to tell people? You ever had that happen? I mean, consider, if you will, what if you owned a big business with lots of money and you made generous contributions to cancer research and all of a sudden it was found the cure, the cure for cancer, and you contributed? Wouldn't you want to tell people? Wouldn't you be proud of the fact that you were part of that, finding the cure for cancer, right? Not, not a sinful type of pride, oh, look at me, how awesome am I, but, but proud like when our kids do something special, right? And we want to tell everybody, Wouldn't you be proud of that? The the idea here is it's such a great honor to even be considered by God to be able to be part of His purposes for He could just as easily do whatever He wanted to without you and I. It is a great honor to be part of His purposes. Giving to God's purposes makes you feel good. It should make us feel proud. And not in that sinful way, but, but the feeling of wonder and amazement at the privilege What a privilege it is to be part of God's purposes. And that gives me joy. It gives me joy to give to something like that. We jump at the chance to give to something like that. Think about the Macedonians in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. There's a wonderful example of the eagerness to give to God's purposes in 2 Corinthians 8. Starting in verse 3, 2 Corinthians 8, we read this. These Macedonians, it says... Paul writes, For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, watch this, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. You see what Paul said there about them? These Macedonian Christians, they were begging Paul for the favor or the honor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Begging him. How many people do you know who are going to beg for a chance to give away money? And that's what they were doing. You see, the only way that happens, the only way people beg for a chance to give away their money is if they know that their happiness will be greater by giving it away than by keeping it. They'll have a greater happiness by giving that money away than they would by keeping it. And if that's true, if people know that, well, then we'll, we'll beg for a chance to give it away. Why? Because we're happiness seekers. We seek happiness. That's, that's a huge motivator in every human being's life. You see, it's like this. Your joy in giving will always be proportional to how great your view of God is. Let me say that again. Your joy in giving will always be proportional 
to how great your view of God is. And so the greater your view of God and His work, the greater your joy will be to give to it. But if giving is just something that you have to do so that you don't get on the naughty list, well, then you won't find much joy there. And so I guess what I'm saying is, if you don't find much joy in giving, you must have a small view of God and His purposes. It is a wonder. It is an amazing privilege that God would allow us to be a part of His purposes in giving some of our money to fulfill what He wants to do in the world. Because He could very easily do it without us. God is the greatest reality in existence. He is the greatest being there is. He is worthy of all praise. If we could but give Him the praise He deserved, we would spend every single ounce of our energy on it. We would just kill over because we gave Him the praise that He deserved. This is how amazing and glorious and honorable He is. And yet He gives us, little me, He gives me the opportunity to be a part of His purposes in this world. His purposes that He set before the foundations of the earth. This is a great honor and privilege. And so I say with David, who am I that God would allow me to do this? And so joy comes from the great privilege, the great honor of being a part of God's purposes. That's part of the way giving brings us joy. But giving brings us joy also because it is a reminder of His generosity toward us. When we give, it's a reminder of God's generosity towards us. It reminds us of how generous He has been. Look again at verse 14 with me, toward the end there. Verse 14, David says, For all things, talking to God here, for all things come from you and of your own. Have we given to you? And then look at verse 16. Verse 16, he says, It comes from your hand. Everything we're giving comes from your hand, and it's all your own. You see, it's all God's to begin with. Everything you have is God's to begin with. Everything you have is a gift from the Lord. In 1 Corinthians 4, Paul says, What do you have that you did not receive? Implied answer, nothing. Everything you have, you have received. You don't deserve it. The only thing we deserve as human beings created by God, the only thing we deserve is condemnation. It's the only thing we deserve. Everything we have is a gift from the Lord. And God does not need your contributions. Do you know that? God does not need your gifts. God does not need your contributions. He can do just fine without us. Thank you very much. He does not need a thing from us. Look at what God says in Psalm chapter 50, starting in verse 10. He says, For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills, and all that moves in the field is mine. Watch this. He says, If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and its fullness are mine. God needs nothing from us. And that fact helps us to remember how generous He has been when we give. You see, we are mere stewards. Everything we have is God's. 
Nothing you have is yours. Your money is not yours. Your car is not yours. Your kids are not yours. Your house is not yours. Your shoes are not yours. Everything you have is God's. And God has graciously decided to allow you to take care of some of his stuff for a time. We are stewards. You remember Joseph in Genesis when he was taken to Egypt as a slave? He eventually worked his way up to being the head servant of Potiphar's household. Potiphar's a rich leader in Egypt. And Joseph says Potiphar put him over everything that he had, everything in his house. He did not hold anything back from Joseph except for his wife. He allowed Joseph control over everything he had. But Joseph didn't have that stuff. That wasn't Joseph's stuff. That was Potiphar's. Joseph was a steward of Potiphar's things, of Potiphar's household. We are stewards of God's things. Everything we have is God's, not ours. God is allowing us to take care of his stuff for a time. And so if we are mere stewards, the question when you think about giving, the question is not how much of my money should I give to God? The question is, how much of God's money should I keep for now? See the difference? It's 180 degrees. It's not how much of my money should I give to God. It's how much of God's money should I keep for myself for now. And so, as we give each week, it's a reminder of God's generosity toward us. His generosity in allowing us to take care of His things, to be stewards of His things. His generosity in the fact that every gift we have is from Him. Everything we have, we have received by His own generous, gracious hand. The fact that we have enough money to pay our bills or put food on our table or get here on a Sunday morning. This is all a gift from God. Life and breath itself, a gift from God. And so as we give each week, joy comes from the fact that it reminds us how generous God has been to us. Now thirdly, as we give, giving detaches our heart from the world. And this gives us joy. When we give, it detaches our heart from the world. And this gives us joy. Joy. Look at verse 9 with me again. Verse 9 in your text. It says, Then the people rejoiced. They rejoiced because they had given willingly. For with a whole heart they had offered freely to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. Why did they rejoice? They rejoiced because they had given willingly with a whole heart. David talks about, I think it's three times in this passage, how they gave willingly. From their hearts. You see, one of the most important reasons to give regularly is because it allows God to detach your heart from the things of this world and to attach it to Himself. As we give, God detaches our heart from the things of this world and attaches it to Himself. The world is pulling so hard at you. The world is pulling so hard at your heart to try to get it attached to the stuff in the world. I mean, think about all the commercials we just saw for a month straight. Think about all the things that we were trying to get our hands on for a month straight. 
The world is pulling so hard at you, and we have to constantly do the opposite of what the world's trying to get us to do. We have to detach our hearts from the world and attach them to God. You know, we often talk about how great it would be, we joke around, how great it would be if I won the lottery, right? If I just won the lottery and had all the money that I ever needed, how great would that be? I'm here to tell you that could be an absolute disaster. Sometimes the worst thing that could ever happen to a human being is to win the lottery. There are stories after story after story after story out there of people who have won the lottery and have had their lives ruined. Why? Well, you cannot serve both God and money. Money is deceitful. The love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. I am not lying when I tell you this morning, I am afraid to have that much money. It scares me. Why? Because Jesus said it is hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And I believe him. We cannot attach our hearts to the things of this world and still attach them to God at the same time. And giving detaches our hearts from the things of this world. There's another very important passage on giving in 2 Corinthians. It comes in chapter 9. In 2 Corinthians 9, Paul says this, verse 7, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now leave that up there for me if you don't mind, guys. As you think about how much to give, I am not going to give you a rule. I refuse to give you a rule on how much to give. In the Old Testament, the Israelites were required by the Lord to give a tithe of all their produce. And by a tithe, we mean one-tenth of everything that they had. The first tenth of everything went to the Lord. Right? This is their tithe. But in the New Covenant, 2 Corinthians 9-7 encapsulates what God wants us to do. God is calling you to give from your heart, not reluctantly, not under compulsion, but cheerfully, sacrificially, but cheerfully. And so I refuse to give you a rule. The last thing I want to do is to coerce you to give a certain amount. Paul specifically says you're not to give reluctantly or under compulsion. You are to give joyfully. But we also need to say this. Beware of the selfish heart that says, well, if I give 10%, I wouldn't be giving joyfully. 2% sounds a lot better. I think I'd be happier, more joyful if I gave 2%. Yeah, that sounds good. So I'll give 2%. Our hearts, our deceitful hearts, are experts at finding loopholes in following God. Are they not? Mine, mine too. Every one of us. We have a, a sinful, deceitful human heart. And we are really good at justifying our own selfishness and our own sinful nature. Your giving is between you and God. And you will know in your heart, the Holy Spirit will convict you. Your conscience will convict you. You will know what is right to give. You will know whether or not you are giving as much as the Lord wants you to give. Now you can listen to your conscience or you can deny those feelings from your conscience. So you can still say no to them, but you will know. 
and it will be between you and the Lord. But give sacrificially, give joyfully, give what you have decided to give in your heart, because joy comes from detaching your heart from the things of this world. And so, in conclusion, let me give you practical suggestions for giving to the Lord. Practical suggestions for giving to the Lord. One man once said, there are three kinds of giving. Right? Grudge giving, duty giving, and thanksgiving. Grudge giving says, I have to. Duty giving says, I ought to. Thanksgiving says, I want to. So what are some practical suggestions for how we can give like that? Not just because we, we have to, not because that's what a Christian should do. That's what my family always did. If I don't give, people might figure it out, and then they, they might look down upon me. How can we give to the Lord sacrificially from our hearts with joy? Let me give you some practical suggestions. Number one, budget. Live your life on a budget. Live by a disciplined budget. The greatest benefit of keeping a disciplined budget, the greatest benefit of it, is a greater ability to give generously. The greater benefit, the greatest benefit of keeping a disciplined budget is a greater opportunity to give generously. My wife and I can attest to this because we've lived part of our marriage not living by a budget and part of it living by a budget. And I'm here to tell you when you live by a budget, you have the opportunity to give generously in a greater way than before and not be constantly wondering whether or not you actually can give that much. With a budget, you can give without worry. Now, second though, make your giving the top line in your budget. Make your offering to the Lord the very first thing that comes out of your budget. A lot of people give what's left over to the Lord. Whatever is left over for the month after I've paid my bills, after I've paid the mortgage, after we bought our groceries, whatever's left over we can give to the Lord. Well, that's not the way that Jesus is calling us to order our lives. God gets first and best. God gets top priority. God is the most important thing. God is more real than the roof over your head. And so He is more worthy of devotion than anything else. Should I follow the Lord this week? Or should I have electricity in my house? Well, if you think about it temporarily, you might be tempted to say electricity is more important. If you think about it eternally, the Lord is more important every time. Make, make giving to the Lord the number one line in your budget. Plan to give in advance. Plan what to give in advance. Not just what's left over. Make that the first thing that comes out. And then each year... This is number three, I would say. Each year, evaluate what you're giving. This is a really good time, end of the year right now, to evaluate what you're giving. Perhaps a, a, an income has changed in the past year, and you might need to reevaluate how much you're giving. Perhaps it's gone up. Perhaps it's gone down. You don't know. I, I don't know. So evaluate it at the end of each year. Take an assessment. How much am I giving to the Lord? Am I giving what I believe the Lord would want me to give? Is there a chance that we now have maybe to increase the percentage of our money that we give to the Lord each month? Reevaluate it after the end of every year. Now, fourth, I think it's number four, giving is about sacrificial generosity, not the amount. Giving is about sacrificial generosity, not the amount. Right? And so you remember Jesus' story of the widow who puts in two small copper coins to the offering worth just a fraction of a penny. And Jesus says, what about her? 
she gave more than all the rest. Even though there were people who gave exorbitant sums of money, she gave more than everyone. Why? Because she sacrificed more. That was from her heart, a greater sacrifice than any of the others had. So the lesson here is you don't have to have a lot of money to give sacrificially to the Lord in a way that pleases Him. You can be a college student with hardly a dollar to your name, and maybe you've got ten bucks for the whole week and you give a dollar to the Lord. Well, that can be a, a very pleasing thing to God if it's coming from your heart. When there might be in the same worship services people who are writing checks for $300, $400, right? That college student might be more honoring to the Lord than that person who puts in 500 bucks. Why? Because it's about the heart. It's about the sacrifice. And so you don't, have, you don't have to have a lot of money to please the Lord in sacrificial giving. Now, last on this, acknowledge the desires of your flesh. Acknowledge them. Just get them out in the open. Let's, let's all acknowledge the fact that we have sinful, fleshly desires in this area, that we want to keep money for ourselves. We want to spend money on ourselves. We have these desires for comfort and security. We have this, this desire for stuff. Let's just acknowledge it. Let's get it out in the open and help each other fight it. Right? Let's not act like, oh, well, I, I don't have a heart that would be tempted toward that stuff. All of us do. Satan gets at all of us in this way. That's why Jesus talked about money so much in the New Testament. And so let's acknowledge the sinful desires of our heart. If you're married, spouses, acknowledge these desires to one another and help each other fight. Say, listen, I I know this is wrong, but I've got this selfish desire to keep money. Let's help each other fight it. Let's help each other give. Let's help each other sacrifice to the Lord and store up treasures in heaven rather than storing up treasures on earth. And so budget, budget. If you ever want to talk about budgeting, I'd love to talk about it with you. I'm sure there's a lot of people in here who have really good budgeting practices that you could also talk to. My wife and I use a software budget system on our phones and on our computers that has literally revolutionized our finances from before when we weren't using it. I'd love to talk to you about that. Uh, make your budget the very first, or make your offering the very first thing in the line of the budget. Each year, evaluate what you're giving. Giving is about sacrificial generosity, not the amount. And acknowledge the desires of your flesh. Acknowledge the desires of your flesh. See, in a time of war, Many of us my age might not remember what this is like because you just haven't experienced it. But in a time of war, people are ready and willing and eager to sacrifice for the good of the country because everyone knows we've all got to sacrifice. We've all got to pitch in. We've all got to do our share. We've all got to give our portion so that the country can come out all right. Well, this is wartime. Spiritually, we are in wartime, not peacetime. And so I am not asking you to give money to the Columbia Christian Church because I need to line my pockets with however much. The elders set my salary. The elders set Adam's salary. That's not even, it doesn't even have anything to do with it. The question is, is your heart, is your conscience clear before the Lord? Are we pleasing Him in the sacrificial way that we are giving? And I think the ultimate aim of all of this, the ultimate aim overarching this whole topic of giving is the fact that we give because of the One who gave it all. 
We give because of the one who gave it all. Jesus gave everything for the Lord and for others. He gave it all. He did not give 10%. He did not give 50%. He gave everything he had, all of his energy, all of his time, all of his personal space, and eventually all of his blood and breath. We give because of the one who gave it all. Giving back to God is nothing compared to what Jesus gave to all of us. Paul writes, praise God for his indescribable gift. His gift toward us. We cannot thank him enough. We cannot respond enough to what he has given us. And today, he has given it for you. Not just for us in general, he gave it for you. He didn't just die for the sins of the world, he died for your sins. He didn't just suffer the wrath of God for sins in general, he suffered the wrath of God that should have been on you for your sins. And so this morning, each one of us has a choice. Do you want to suffer God's wrath yourself in eternity, or do you want to let Jesus suffer for you? It's the choice that faces every single one of us. Some of us have already made this choice. We have to make it anew every morning. But for those of us who have not yet put their faith in Jesus and been baptized into His death, do you want to suffer for your own sins in all eternity? Or do you want to let Jesus suffer for your sins for you? Why do we talk about giving? Because of the one who gave it all. Let's pray. Our great God, every gift comes from you. Everything we have is yours. God, we acknowledge that you do not need our gifts. You do not need anything from us. And yet, you have called us to be part of your purposes. You have challenged us to allow you to detach our hearts from the things of this world. And more than anything, God, you have given us everything. You have given us your only Son. God, when when Paul says in Romans 8, He who did not spare his own Son, but graciously gave him up for us all, how will he not along with him graciously give us all things? God, how can we read that and not be moved to give back to you? And so I pray that you would help us. I pray that you would help us to fight our sinful hearts on this issue. And I pray that you would help us to consistently see the greatness of Jesus and what he gave to us. Thank you for that. Thank you for your son. Thank you for his death on the cross. Thank you for everything you have given to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.